Hi everyone, welcome back to Coffee Crime and Storytime. It's me, Danielle. I hope you're all well, and I am so happy you're here with me today. I'm having a great time while my summer allergies battle my desire to be outside, so here's to Benadryl. Am I right? I have a story for you today, and as you know, I try to stay away from the really big cases, but I just kept coming back to this one. So grab your coffee and sit back. We're going to talk about Elizabeth Short, also known as the Black Dahlia. It's January 15th, 1947 in Los Angeles, California, and Betty Bursinger is pushing her three-year-old down the sidewalk in a stroller. There were plenty of vacant plots on the walk, which wasn't rare, but on the corner of South Norton Avenue, something catches her eye. She thought it was a mannequin, and let me just say the number of times I have heard that phrase makes my head spin. How many of us have actually ever just seen a mannequin lying around? Anyway, uh, she realized that it was split in two halves, and it wasn't a mannequin at all. It was a woman. A woman with long black hair and pale skin and a slash of a scar that made a ghastly smile of red in the otherwise washed-out image. Police arrived quickly after Betty alerted a neighbor, and they knew that there was much more to this story. It's going to get slightly graphic here, so if you'd like, maybe skip ahead a little bit. It was obvious the body and the scene had been deliberately set by being posed with her legs spread and her hands behind her back. The body had also been completely washed and her hair had been shampooed. She was bisected at the waist and completely drained of blood. Her intestines had been tucked underneath her. Her thighs and chest had been partially skinned. There were ligature marks on her wrists and on her ankles. Her mouth had been cut from ear to ear, as well as her nipples had been cut off. Further into the autopsy, it was discovered she had had a tattoo of a rose on her left leg, and this tattoo had been cut off and then shoved inside her genitals. Her reproductive organs had also been removed. This was graphic, this was gruesome, this was more than some could even imagine. The day after the body was found, they had the woman's name. Elizabeth Short was 22 years old and originally from Boston, but had headed west to pursue her dreams of being an actress. Sadly, the press actually contacted Elizabeth's mother, Phoebe, before the police could. They did it under a ruse to try to gain more information about the victim for the paper, and when they realized that she had no idea that her daughter was dead, they eventually delivered the news themselves. Phoebe had raised Elizabeth, along with her four sisters, as a single mother after it was thought that her husband Cleo had disappeared in 1930 and was assumed to have committed suicide. Elizabeth even then had been known for her stunning looks and her desire to be on the big screen. But over a decade after his disappearance, Cleo wrote a letter to the family. He was alive and had simply fled for a fresh start. He now wanted to return, but Phoebe refused him. Elizabeth, however, accepted her father's apology 
and they began writing letters to each other. And at the age of 19, she left her mother to join her father Cleo in Northern California, and then on to Los Angeles. But it soured pretty quickly after the years of estrangement. Elizabeth eventually left to go out on her own. She worked odd jobs to get by and bounced around a lot of different areas, eventually settling back in Southern California in 1946. She went to numerous auditions, which led nowhere, but she did pick up jobs at the studios by hanging around the lots. She had claimed to friends that she had had a fiancé in the Air Force, a Lieutenant Gordon Matthew, but no one had ever met him. She then claimed he was shot down over Burma during the summer of 1945. She was seen as a flighty sort of figure. She hopped from friend's house to hotel. She was a bit of a party girl. And as I said, she had stunning looks. She had charm. She was never without male attention. As uh, Blanche Dubois would say, I have always depended on the kindness of strangers. And that was Elizabeth to a T. She was taken in at one point by a woman named Dorothy and her mother after being discovered sleeping in a theater. And after a stint with them, she once again moved back to Los Angeles. In her last days, she was dating a man named Robert Manley, who went by Red. He was a married salesman, and their last exchange took place in the Biltmore Hotel. Elizabeth had said she was waiting for her sister, and Red left while Elizabeth was making phone calls, and he never saw her again. The bell captain of the Biltmore Hotel was the very last person recorded to see her alive. She had told him that she was off to a party. Robert was cleared as a suspect after passing a polygraph and a sodium pentothal, or truth serum, test. He also had helped police by identifying some of Elizabeth's belongings that had been located a few miles from the crime scene. After her death, she was no longer Elizabeth. She became known as the Black Dahlia, a nickname given by a copy editor after the film star Vanessa Lake, who had starred in the film The Blue Dahlia, which had just come out the year prior. Police were desperate for a lead, and eventually their next suspect, Army Corporal Joseph Dumay, came in. Um, he turned himself in. He said he'd been out drinking with Elizabeth while he was on leave, and he drank so much that he blacked out for days, remembers nothing, and eventually woke up in New York. But eventually he was ruled out when it was found he hadn't been on leave. He had actually been in New Jersey, on the other side of the country. The Los Angeles Examiner got a call at one point from an anonymous person saying they would send them some of Elizabeth's things as proof that they were the killer. And sure enough, a package came. It had Elizabeth's birth certificate, her social security card, uh, luggage claim slips, photos of her with different military men, um, and it also had her friend Mark Hansen's address book. Now, Mark Hansen was also then ruled out as a suspect, and things like this continued to happen, and over 60-plus different men and women came forward, declaring themselves the Black Dahlia's killer. False confessions are something that really confused me, and I have to wonder about the psychology of what causes people to do that kind of thing. But, in her story, 
There's one suspect who always sticks out, and one whose son actually claimed it was him. The suspect is Dr. George Hodel, and if you'd like a deep dive into that nugget of info, I really recommend you listen to the podcast Root of Evil. It is so well done. It is so in-depth. I'm not even going to go into it here. Seriously, check it out. And for the record, I'm with him on the theory. But as far as the Black Dahlia's story goes, once she left the Biltmore, her story's a mystery to us all. The case remains unsolved. What we know is what we know. But Elizabeth Short is never forgotten. Thank you all for listening today. I know this was a short one, but as I said, I have a tendency to stay away from the big cases because they've been done so many times and there's so many wonderful places that you can hear them. But do you have a theory on who the Black Dahlia murderer could be? I want to hear about it. Or if you have a story you want to tell me or one you want me to hear, drop me a line at coffeecrimestorytime at gmail.com. Maybe if there's one you really want to deep dive on, maybe we could look into that. The podcast can be found on Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, Twitter, and TikTok. Ratings and reviews are always appreciated, and there's a Patreon page set up as well. If you like what you hear, please consider supporting the podcast with donations so I can keep it coming in regular intervals. It's time for my next pot of coffee and to research our next case. So as always... Until next time.